0: honored to be here. Look forward to getting acquainted with you and uh, met most of you for the very first time, and it's an honor to be here. Thank you for what you're doing with the paper. The Flaming Torch has been such a blessing to so many, many people and a help to so many preachers and uh, lay people alike. Thank you for the good work you're doing with that as well, church. Take your Bibles, if you would. Go this morning to John chapter 21, John chapter number 21. And, uh, I was uh, preaching my aunt's funeral the other day and reminded folks to be sure they had their phone on silent or turn it off. And uh, I was at a funeral one day, and a guy's phone went off. And that's bad enough and embarrassing enough, but he answered it. And he thought he was whispering. He said, I'm sorry, I can't talk right now. I'm at a funeral. And uh, whose is it? Well, he starts telling them it's really, uh, he had no idea. I think he thought he was whispering, but we were hearing him louder than everything going on so I thought about that a preacher friend of mine who's an evangelist went to his home church and he said my pastor was preaching and he said I was sitting in the audience and he said you know everybody's phones to be off and uh, he said the preacher said seriously I don't know and Siri spoke up and said well if you don't know Then I don't know. And he said, talk about interrupting a service. That will tear it up. But anyway, it's good to be here. And uh, I've already checked my phone. I've got it off, I think. I'll tell you one more story. And I'm ashamed of this, but it is funny. I went to a funeral one time. Honestly, the longest funeral I've ever been to. It went on for hours. When I walked in, the first thing that I did was turn my phone off. But apparently, and this was an older version of phone I held it too long, and it came back on, unbeknownst to me. There was only one empty seat in the building. It was packed. There was a young preacher sitting there, and I said, Sir, can I sit by you? He said, Oh, that'd be fine. I sat down next to him. I introduced myself, and he said, Brother Graham, I've heard you preach, but I've never met you, and I'm so excited to get to meet you. I said, Well, I'm excited to meet you and tell me about your work, and we visited for a few minutes. The funeral began. And uh, when I say it was a long funeral, this literally happened. Anybody want to say a word? And by the dozens, people lined up to give testimony. I'd never seen it like that. I mean, I'm talking hours of a service. And uh, we're sitting there, and about, oh, two and a half, three hours into the funeral, my phone rang. I could have died. And, you know, we were sitting towards the back. And you know what happens when your phone rings in a service like that? Everybody's going to turn around. So I did the only thing I knew to do, I tossed it in his lap. (laughs) And just as everybody turned around, I grabbed his phone and said, turn off the phone, and I turned (laughs) off my own phone. And he said, here I am, sitting next to Brother Graham, thinking, man, I finally get to meet him. He throws me under the bus. Everybody thinks it's my phone. And uh, so uh, one of our men as a missionary went to his church to present. And he said now your pastor is ken graham he said yes he said "Uh, no uh, you can't present here we we're not having you and he told him what i did to him because he called me he said you call your preacher and he'll understand why i can't have you and he was shook up he called me and i just started laughing i said he's going to have you but he's going to give you a hard time and uh, so i preached with that preacher in a conference one day he walked by me as he was going to the pulpit, and I said, would you like my phone so you can tell what time it is? He said, leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you. So it's good to be here. I do have an onerous street, but I am a preacher's kid that grew up with five sisters, so you bear with me. Let's go to John chapter 21. A dear friend of mine from many years ago, Dr. Billy Canoy, was laying in the hospital. He was dying. He had cancer and Brother Kanoi's wife had been sitting with him. Two of my close preacher friends went by to see him, Brother Tom Butler and uh, Brother Terry Basham. And while they were there, they said to, to his wife, if you need to take a break, we'll be glad to sit with the preacher for a while. And, uh, and she said, well, if you don't mind, I'd like to run home and freshen up, and I'll be right back and get some uh, things. And they said, that's fine. So they sat down in this hospital room, and they said, man, what an experience. said, he was giving us outlines here he is laying there dying and he'd say boys you ever thought about this verse and said he would give us a full outline he said we had notepads and pens and he said man we're just writing down sermon outlines and here's this dear man of god getting ready to go to heaven and so all of a sudden the nurse came in and as she walked into the room he said to the nurse ma'am let me ask you a question if you died today where would you spend eternity she said well sir if i died today i'd be in heaven He said, what do you base that on? And she said, I've given my heart to Jesus Christ. He said, well, that's the only right answer. You know that you're saved. She said, yes, I do. Then he asked her a second question. Ma'am, since you know the Lord is your Savior, can I ask you this question? How much do you love Jesus? She said, well, I don't know how to answer that question. He said, well, ma'am, let me say this. You only love him as much as you're willing to talk about him. You only love Him as much as you're willing to live for Him. You only love Him as much as you're willing to tell others about Him. And he began to list several things like that that would express if you really love the Lord. These are things that would be evident in your life. My friend said the tears started running down her cheeks and she said to him, Sir, I love the Lord, but I don't love Him nearly enough. Pray for me. Jesus is meeting with His disciples. This is after the resurrection. We're going to begin reading in verse 15. They knew that Jesus was alive. They knew He was risen, and yet Peter said, I go fishing. Now, let me quickly say, God's not against fishing. That's a wonderful sport, isn't it? But the, the statement, I'm going fishing, wasn't a matter of just simply going out and recreationally fishing. Peter had been a fisherman uh, before he met the Lord, and basically what he was saying is, I know the Lord has risen, but I don't think He'll ever use me again. i messed up too bad. I go fishing. And the others went with him. We read in the account where, of course, Jesus said, Children, have you any meat? There's nothing worse than fishing all night, catching nothing, and then having somebody ask you, if you caught anything. They said no. And you know Jesus instructed them and the next thing you know, all of these fish are in their nets. So after they come to the shore and Jesus has already prepared something for them to eat, they're sitting there around the fire. Let's pick up in verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. I want to talk to you this morning about that thought. Lovest thou me? First of all, notice, if you will, the inquiring conversation. Jesus asked the question to Simon in particular, lovest thou me more than these? Can I say today that your position in life will not dismiss you from the quiz? This is a test that I want everyone to take today. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. I want to ask you, do you love the Lord? Now, if you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, I don't care what you say, what argument you give, you do not love Him. You cannot love Jesus if you have never received Him because He was willing to leave the splendor of heaven, come to earth, die on an old rugged cross, take your sins, your sorrows, place them upon Himself, die in your behalf, and give to you the gift of everlasting life. And if you do not receive it, you cannot say that you love Him because you are rejecting God's only way of salvation. But I would ask you this question, position doesn't keep... Here's a disciple. Peter had been in the inner circle and yet he has to ask this question and answer the question. Peter, lovest thou me more than these? May I say not only position will not dismiss you, but past accomplishments and blessings won't dismiss you from this quiz. Jesus didn't say, Peter, you remember when you did this? You remember when you did that? We're talking about a guy that was at the Mount of Transfiguration. That's a pretty special place. You understand there were 12 that were called uh, the apostles of, of the Lord and His earthly ministry, His disciples, and yet we recognize that uh, Peter was one of the three that got to go the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter is quite famous because he's the one that walked on water. Can you imagine a testimony meeting in church and somebody saying, well, you think you did something This guy walked on water, and yet Jesus didn't say, Peter, let's talk about all the things you've accomplished in the past. May I say, I recognize that as we get older, there may be some things we are not able to do. I understand that. But our walk with God today needs to be fresh, regardless of how old we are. You may not be able to do, for instance, maybe there was a day when you could drive a bus and maybe you can't drive anymore. Maybe there was a day when you were able to teach a Sunday school class and health doesn't allow that anymore. Maybe there was a time when you were involved in a particular ministry, but age and, and health complications have stopped that. But hear me this morning, there should be nothing that should interfere with our walk with the Savior. We should, as the songwriter said, I'll live for Him who died for me. How happy then my life shall be. Can I say personal sacrifice won't keep you from the quiz? Peter's the one that had said, Lord, we've left all to follow Thee. You know, some believers make the mistake of thinking that uh, you know if I sacrifice, that proves that I love the Lord. And someone wisely said that you can sacrifice without loving, but you cannot love without sacrificing. I'm not asking you, how does your sacrifice for the Lord compare to the guy next to you? But is your walk in love for the Savior what it ought to be? You know, remember when Jesus was instructing the disciples about His oncoming death. And He talked to them about how that they would flee. And remember what Peter said? Though all men forsake thee, I'm ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Remember what Jesus said, Simon, Simon... Behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And I don't believe the Lord was saying, Peter, when you get saved. I believe he was saying, Peter, uh, the problem is right now, you're letting the old man in the driver's seat. You know, his name, of course, Simon, remember the Lord called him Peter, that little pebble. And by the way, we know this, church. The church isn't built on Peter. Peter. Peter was that small insignificant pebble. Jesus said upon this rock, speaking of what Peter said and speaking of himself, Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we recognize that Peter uh, had told the Lord, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. And Jesus addressed him as Simon, Simon, the old man, the old nature. And by the way, when you get saved, You have an old nature and you have a new nature. Paul talked about that. Peter later on wrote and called it the uh, old man and, and he talked about the divine nature. But Jesus addressed him, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have thee. At this point in his life, even though he knows the Lord is risen, we find the Lord says to him, Simon, lovest thou me? And we find him addressing him as Simon. When you get over to his epistles, you remember what he said I'm Simon Peter. He said, I've still got the old man here, but the new man's here. And finally, the old man is under much more control because the new man is leading the way. He said, how do you know that? Because the very first words out of his mouth is Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. You know, when you get to the point that you realize being his servant is far more important than any earthly title, any brag about what you've become for the Lord, you'll recognize that you're getting where you need to be in your Christian life. Here's the conversation. Jesus said, lovest thou me more than these? My friend Dr. Canoy said, do you love the Lord? And if you love him, how much do you love him? You know, Miss Graham and I have been married 44 years. When we got married, my dad did the uh, wedding. And uh, you know, weddings, you understand, weddings are a little more formal. They're a little more dignified. They're a little more rehearsed. We always have a rehearsal. Now, men, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but you're not the biggest deal at the wedding. In fact, is if your bride-to-be could rehearse without you, she probably would because we usually mess things up. But anyway, uh, we're just there to say I do. Come on, smile. You know it's the truth. Now, maybe there's an unusual guy, but listen, I didn't say, oh, you know, I think this color would be great. I didn't care. I mean, honestly, that wasn't my goal of being. In fact, is when I went to the wedding, I was wearing a tuxedo. My cousin had wrote, help me, on the bottom of my shoes. Nobody did, but he wrote that because he knew we were going to kneel and pray. But anyway, as we, went through the, <laughs> as we went through the ceremony, not that I wanted help. That's not what I'm saying, but he wrote it on there, nevertheless. But we're standing in front of the preacher, and I'm waiting because, you know, they're going to get to that part where you may kiss the bride. Okay, men, that's what brings us to the forefront. She's thinking about all the fluff and the circumstance, and you're thinking about hubba hubba if you to give her sugar. But anyway, in the middle of it, my dad said, now Ken and Pam, they love the Lord, and they are going to serve the Lord with their life. I think they ought to give a testimony. Now, that's okay if you would put it in the rehearsal package, but we didn't, and so I was standing there for the first time in my life. I mean, I'm an outgoing person. I'm struggling. with What do I say? I mean, I've never stumbled so much. I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. Love the Lord. I hope you love the Lord. Let's move on. Anyway, get to the eye. You may kiss the bride. Then my wife gives a beautiful spiritual testimony. Anyway, and finally he said, uh, you know, you may kiss the bride. And I vowed my love to her. If you had come to me that day and said, Ken, do you love Pam with all of your heart? I'd say yes. And do you think you could ever love her more than you do now? I would say, man, I don't think I could ever love her more than I do now. I want to tell you something, 44 years later, looking back, Brother Smith, what I felt then compared to how I feel now has grown so amazingly. And you know, that's how it is. When I got saved, man, I thought, oh, I love the Lord. But the longer I know Him the sweeter it grows. The longer I know him, he wants us to grow in that love and so we find the conversation Simon, lovest thou me more than these? Notice the intriguing answer he said, yea Lord, thou knowest and yet the Lord asked him three times perhaps because Peter had denied the Lord thrice, he asked him the question three times, we don't know, but Peter's answer finally is Lord, thou knowest all things and could I say he does know all things we can pretend, we can put on a show, we can act like everything's all right? But God knows where we're at in our heart. And he said, Simon, lovest thou me more than these? And he said, Lord, thou knowest all things. And by the way, he knows the depth of our love. He knows the devotion of our love. And he is not asking him, nor is he asking you today. I don't think Jesus was saying when he said, lovest thou me more than these. I don't think he was saying, do you love me more than John loves me? Do you love me more than Andrew loves me? Can I say the Christian life is not a life of comparing myself by you or you by me? Here is the standard by which we must compare our lives. This book tells us how to live. This book tells us how to love the one who loved us and gave himself for us. And so he's not asking Peter, hey, do you love me more than John loves me? Do you love me more than Andrew loves me? Do you love me more than Jack? No, no. He's asking me, do you love me more than these? I think he's asking him, do you love me more than the past life of... Being a fisherman. Peter, you've said, I go fishing. Because I failed the Lord. He said, do you love me more, perhaps, in the past life of fishing? Maybe more than the presence of the love of your friends. Peter has gone fishing and he's taken others with him. And maybe there's conversation like, you know what, that was a good run, but it didn't work out so good. I don't know all their conversation. But Jesus said, do you love me more than these? Perhaps more than the prospects of the unknown." You know, the life of following Jesus was an amazing life, and there were some that in the beginning thought that Jesus was going to come and and literally relieve them from the Roman tyranny that they were dealing with in the nation of Israel, but He came to do a much greater work than that. Something that the Israelites missed out on throughout their centuries of history, I believe, was the fact that God had loved them as a special people. But it wasn't to the exclusion of everybody else, but it was rather that they might be a light to the Gentiles and that all the Gentiles might look at what Israel had and see their relationship with the true and living God and say, I want what they've got. I don't know about you, but I want to live my life in such a way that somebody else would say, I want what he's got. I want what she has. I want to I know that peace, that joy, that blessing that they have in their life. I want that to be part of my life. And listen, not, not for a bragamony, but to influence the world. Listen, our world needs to see in the craziness of the, of the day we're living in that there are people that do know the Lord, people that know everything's alright in my Father's house. That there's hope on the horizon. I was flying back from a meeting in California And they had announced the plane was going to be full. That always makes me a little nervous because I'm built more for comfort than speed. When the plane's full and, you know, you're larger, you kind of struggle in there. And it was so exciting because they were getting ready. to said we're closing the door, and the entire plane was filled except I'm in the aisle seat. There's a middle seat and a gentleman by the window, and there's no one between us. I was like... God is so good. Anyway, and I'm sitting there, and we strike up conversation. I begin to talk with him, and he's a Muslim fellow, and he begins to tell me that he had moved here from Pakistan and how that his dad had been executed, his uncle had been executed, his brother had been executed, and he said, I left because they want to kill me. And then he said something interesting. He said, these are people that are supposed to be of the same religion that I am. He said, they're killing us. And he said, so I came to America... And uh, I began to witness to him and tell him about, you know, the Lord. And he said, you know, something that I find interesting about you Christians. He said, I know there are different kinds. And here's what he said. This is, a, this is an unsaved Muslim says to me, I know that there are Catholics. I know there are Protestants. I know there are Baptists. I thought, wow, he's pretty smart. But anyway, and uh, he knew the distinctions. But anyway, he said, I know that there are differences. But he said, and obviously there must be some areas that you don't agree on. But then he said this, at the end of the day, you don't kill each other. I said, you know why? Because the message that I have is a message of love and not of hate. The message that I have to the world is a message of hope, not of destruction. And I said, sadly, you're dealing with all of this, and what you need to know is that every other religion, I explained in him what I said earlier, was all about works, but Jesus Christ came to be the gift of God and offer salvation. I'd love to tell you he got saved that day. He didn't, but he heard a clear presentation of the gospel and promised that he would go visit the Baptist church uh, where my friend pastored there in California in the hopes of him coming to know Christ as a Savior. But can I just remind you that i want to let folks know everywhere i go that there is a real savior that can change their life and there's no better friend in the world than jesus you love me more than the prospects of the unknown you know in verse 21 uh we know of course verse 18 and 19 the bible tells us at least hints to how peter's going to die and it says here uh, verse 18 Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest, but when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake, he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, follow me. You know, Jesus tells him, you're going to one day face death, but follow me. And of course, his immediate response is to ask the Lord, "Well, what shall this man do? And I want to remind you again in verse 21, he's asking about John, Lord, what shall this man do? I would remind you that our goal in life is to get so honest with God that we would come to revival meeting and say, Lord, I do want you to speak to others, but while you're speaking, Lord, speak to my heart. You know, it's so easy to say, I'll tell you, John sure needs straightened out, and James sure needs straightened out, and you know, my brother Andrew, he really needs help, and Lord, if you would just deal and and yet ignore the fact that God's trying to do something for me, Lord, what do you want in my life? Peter, lovest thou me more than these? We notice number three, the intended goal. You know, no doubt Peter was confused and probably in a little bit of a turmoil knowing after he had so boldly said, though all men forsake thee, I will never forsake thee. And Jesus said, I'll guarantee you, you're going to forsake me because uh, before the cock crows, uh, thou shalt deny me thrice. And can you imagine what happened? I've always thought about when Peter denied the Lord that final time and Jesus was going by and the scripture said that the Lord looked on him and he went out and wept bitterly. I've already said enough about Ken Graham that you know that I had a little bit of honoriness in my life. Thank God for my parents that were there to drive it from me at times. Anyway, but you know, when I was a child growing up, like the children in here, there were times that I disobeyed. There were times that I got in trouble. And my dad would have to correct me. They'd have to have that talk and then that little communication, something foreign to children today, but, uh, you know, that spanking. But anyway, I'd go through that process. And I'll tell you, as a child, I was not excited about getting in trouble. But can I tell you what was the hardest part of all? (coughs) It was when my dad would start talking to me. Oh, my mother would say something like this, Honey, we expected so much more out of you than this. You've let me down. My dad would say, Son, I I know I've raised you better than this and I can't believe it." And and can I tell you, though the spanking at the moment might have hurt, those words cut deep. You know why? Because I love my mom and dad and I didn't want to disappoint them. And there have been times when my heavenly fathers had to call me in and say, I thought you loved me. and Look how you failed me. Look how you did what you shouldn't have done or how you denied me or how you didn't speak up for me. And Oh, when He begins to prick my heart through the work of the Holy Spirit, I find myself saying, Lord, I'm so sorry. I don't want to let you down because you love me enough to save me I want to live for you how do you feel about it today well I've failed the Lord since I've gotten saved but there's never been an absence of a desire in my heart there's been a longing to want to please him because he saved me and oh Peter lovest thou me here's the intended goal Jesus said Peter I forgive you I'm not done with you aren't you glad that God didn't throw the clay away Aren't you glad that God wasn't finished with Peter? Aren't you glad that God said, Peter, I know you denied me, but I told you when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. I forgive you. And not only that, Peter, I want to fellowship with you. Aren't you glad the Lord's forgiveness is not like man's forgiveness? I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to forget it. God said, Peter, I forgive you. And I want to fellowship with you. Oh, what an invitation when Jesus said to him, come and dine. I think about this. Jesus said, Peter, I want to fill you with my spirit. And I'm going to enable you to do things beyond anything you ever imagined. I don't think it's by accident that on the day of Pentecost, God chose Peter to stand and preach. I believe with, uh, with all my heart, God let him know that he truly was forgiven and he would use him in a marvelous way. Someone said Peter stood by three fires in his life. One was the fire of failure when he was at Caiaphas' house. And boy, that fire was burning, and they said, hey, you're one of his. I recognize your speech. No, no, I don't know him. And before long, Peter denied the Lord three times. The fire of failure. Listen, if you've lived life very long, probably at some point or another, you've stood by the fire of failure. Said, Lord, I let you down. Someone else said he pointed to the fire of forgiveness. And that's where he's at right now sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus said, lovest thou me? And Peter said, Lord, thou knowest all things, and I do love you. And I believe what Jesus was saying as he did an inventory is, Peter, if you love me, live for me. If you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, let your light so shine before men. If you love me, Peter, let's get about our Father's business. And then, of course, the fire of fullness on the day of Pentecost when the power of God fell. And he stood and preached with such power The Bible said that about 3,000 So, What an amazing thing happened that day. God used him once again. Let me ask you a question today. Where are you at with the Lord? Do you know him as your Savior? If you don't, that's where it begins. August 12, 1970, I realized I was a sinner. I recognized that Jesus was the Savior. I repented of my sins and received Christ into my heart. And he gave me the marvelous gift of salvation. And from that day to this, I have the assurance I'm on my way to heaven. But then the next question I ask if you know him as your Savior, are you living for him? How much do you love him? Is the love that you have for Christ where it ought to be, or has it gotten a little cold? Has he, have you felt a little indifferent? Have, maybe you just felt a little bit distanced? You know, I love the Bible it says, Draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. You say, Brother Graham, I'm on the front line living for God all that I can. And let me encourage you keep on keeping on. Keep on serving on. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Our heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. No one's looking around. Our pianist is coming. In just a moment, we'll have a song of invitation. I'd like to ask you a couple of questions with no one looking on. How many say, Brother Graham, I know the Lord is my Savior. I can point to that day that I gave my heart to Christ. If I died today, I know for sure I'm going to heaven. Would you lift your hand real high and give a testimony of a personal no-so salvation? Thank you. May put them down. I wouldn't embarrass you for anything in this world. And I promise you this, you're among friends today. But if you're here this morning, you say, Preacher, if I died today, if this were my last day on planet Earth, I don't know that I'd be in heaven, but I'd like to know it, and I wish you'd pray for me. And you'd slip your hand up and say, Please remember me in prayer. Is there one like that? Thank you. Is there someone else? I don't know for sure. Thank you. Is there someone else? I don't know for sure, but I'd like to know. Pray for me. Anyone else? In just a moment, we'll have a song of invitation The music will be playing, and I'll invite you to come to the front, and someone will be glad to open the Bible and show you how you can know for sure. Then I want to address the believers for just a moment. You'd say, Preacher, God spoke to my heart today. I don't have to know what it's about, but you'd just say, Preacher, God spoke to my heart today, and I wish you'd pray for me, and you'd lift a hand across this auditorium. God spoke to my heart. What a number of hands. Folks, revival will really begin to happen when God's people will just be obedient. In the smallest things that God deals with us about, let's give liberty to God to work in hearts and lives. Father, you've seen the hands, and thank you for the attentiveness of these dear folks, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in the invitation. I pray that if there's one that's lost, and we had a couple that lifted their hand, that this might be the day of their salvation. Then I pray that Christians might be drawn closer to you. Lord, whatever area, may we be willing just to submit ourselves to that which you've spoke to us about, Help us to love you, Lord, like we've never loved you before. Help us to be the testimony you desire for us to be. Help us to let our light shine in such a sin-darkened world. And We'll thank you in advance for what you're going to do in Jesus' name.